Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're glad you're here. I'm Pastor Chris. I'm the lead pastor, and we welcome you in the name of Jesus. If you're here for the very first time, we're especially glad that you're here. We hope that during your time here that you'll experience God's love in his truth. Um, For those of you who have been here, you know we're in the midst of this series called Love and Respect. It's a series about marriage. Uh, This is the third of a four-week series. So here's where we've been. Pastor Mark laid out um, that, that marriage was established by God in the very fabric of creation. Uh, and marriage was to be between a man and a woman. It was to last forever. And he told us that that image is actually an illustration of, of Jesus and his bride, the church. And so that's how we set forth the, the foundation uh, a couple weeks ago. And then last week, I talked about wives and husbands and how we relate together in marriage, according to the apostle Peter, who told us a lot about what it means to submit and to, to lead with understanding in our marriages. And so now today, we're going to talk about what the apostle Paul has to say about marriage. But the deal is, we're a church. And so what we do uh, week to week to week is we talk about what um, the, the Bible says about various realities. And marriage is the basic unit of, of community. It, it was God's plan to be that way. And so here we are in 2017, and we're telling you uh, the way that marriage is called to be by God. And some of you who are maybe new or maybe not so new might be thinking, whoa, he is so out of touch with reality. I mean, it is 2017. How can you hold up such an old-fashioned view of marriage? Can you seriously, don't you know that like half the marriages end up in divorce? And what about the church, how they've put down women and they've, they've really been on the wrong side of a lot of these kind of issues. So why in the world are you still promoting this kind of stuff? I mean, after all, Let's think about what our culture says about marriage. Culture says that marriage is for me. Uh, it's about my feelings, about how, uh, how my wife is supposed to fulfill me. And so if, if I don't feel good after a period of time, then I can find somebody who will do that. And, and really what we believe is if you're really in love, that marriage is going to be easy. And if it's the right person, then it's always going to be easy. That's what our culture teaches us. And so we have this thing where there's this uh, sort of... Uh, antagonism, if you will, that the church is telling us, you know, we sort of just need to suck it up and stay married. And the culture is saying, no, you don't. If you're not having fun, then then just get a divorce and get married to somebody else who will make you happy. And so the question then sort of becomes, are you happy or married? It's not like you could be happy and married, you know. And, And reality is, God didn't design marriage for us to be happy Although when a man and woman come together in marriage as God designed it, and that union between a man and a woman is, is really you know, a symbol of the union, uh, the unity, I should say, of, the, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one God in three persons. And so while that sexual union is, is, is something that's very important, our culture has separated that out from marriage. It's no longer part of it. But in that context where a man and woman come together with a commitment to be together with God at the center forever... Here's what happens. More often than not, you end up being happy. Uh, And so happiness is a byproduct of doing God's will and following his plan. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning again and and next week. So if you're here today and you are divorced or or you've been divorced and and we've been talking about the permanence of marriage and, and you're feeling bad about that, I want you to know that God understands because God has been there. 
Now, now what do you, if you're, you're thinking, you mean God's divorced? Actually, the answer is God has been divorced, yes. And we're going to look at that right now from the book of Jeremiah in, in chapter 3. If you have your Bible, you might want to be turning there right now. Because what happened is God created a, a, a people called Israel. And Abraham and Sarah were the two people that came together and had Isaac and all the children developed into this nation called Israel. And it's God's chosen people. And Israel, eventually, they split into two kingdoms. The, the northern kingdom was still called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah. And when God revealed uh, his plan to Jeremiah, Israel had already turned away from God. And you know how nations are often referred to in the, in the feminine. So God had divorced her. And now he's talking to Judah, who was also being promiscuous and was, was not living in the context of marriage as God designed it. And so this is what God said to Judah um, about Israel, actually. It says this, Have you seen what fickle Israel has done? Like a wife who commits adultery, Israel has worshipped other gods on every hill and under every green tree. I thought after she has done all this, she will return to me. But she did not return, and her faithless sister Judah saw this. She saw that I divorced faithless Israel because of her adultery, but that treacherous sister Judah had no fear, and now she too has left me and given herself to prostitution. Israel treated it all so lightly. She thought nothing of committing adultery by worshiping idols made of wood and stone. So now the land has been polluted, but despite all of this, her faithless sister Judah has never sincerely returned to me. She has only pretended to be sorry. I, the Lord, have spoken. So God waited patiently for his adulterous wife to return, but she didn't. And so after a long period of seeking to bring her back, he divorced her. And you might say, well, <coughs> excuse me, you might say this is just a metaphor. But the truth of the matter is God knows what it, the pain of rejection and divorce God never gave up on Israel. He never gave up on Judah, and yet they gave up on him. And 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came to the earth, God in the flesh came to the earth, he came to bring his wife back to himself. That is the church. That's the image the New Testament uses for the church is that we are the bride of Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to, to say, I forgive you. I want you to come back into relationship with me. I want our marriage to be solid. And in fact, God... Jesus wants us to love him and, and be faithful and obedient to him, but, but he doesn't just want that. He died for that to happen. And we can continue to reject him, but he will never reject us. You see, our culture is turning against God and against marriage as God designed it. It's not a surprise to God. I mean, it's not like God wakes up every morning waiting for the New York Times to come out so he knows what's happening. God knew that this condition that we're in in 2017 would happen before he created the universe. And yet he created us because he loves us and he calls us back into a relationship with himself. And, and so the, the reality for us this morning is that when a husband and wife come together and love each other and respect each other and submit to one another, that's an analogy of, of Jesus and the church. And while the illustration breaks down at some point, the truth of the matter is... There's nothing better for a man and wife who are married, who are followers of Jesus, to, than to follow God's plan throughout their lifetime. I mean, that is God's plan. And I, I'm almost 60 years old, and I've seen enough of these 15-minute pleasures that the world offers to know that there's nothing that compares with not the 15-minute pleasure, but the lifetime-long pleasure of being obedient 
to Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to talk about as it relates to marriage today. So today and this weekend, we're going to turn to the Apostle Paul's letter of Ephesians. We're going to turn to what ordinarily it would be Ephesians 5, 22 to 33, because that's the passage where he talks about wives and husbands. But we're actually going to start in verse 18. And we're going to read 18 to 21, because without 18 to 21, we really don't have the power source to do what husbands and wives are supposed to do in marriage. So we'll talk about that. But before we do, let's look at the take-home point, not only for today, but for next week as well. And the take-home point, for those of you who are new, that's the one point that I'm going to make today. Uh, And and today's take-home point is when husbands love their wives, period, a marriage flourishes. And next week's take-home point is when a wife respects her husband, period, a marriage flourishes. And I wanted you to see both take-home points because while we can split up this text for the sake of talking about husbands today and wives next week, the reality is it's a unified text. And the scripture is about wives and husbands together. And that's how, you know, in the Bible, that's how it's always supposed to be. So we're dividing up husbands and wives. And we're going to talk about husbands primarily today and wives primarily next week. Uh, but, the, but the take-home point is basically the same word that's underlined both weeks is period. When a husband loves his wife unconditionally in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, that marriage is going to flourish. And next week we'll talk about when a wife respects her husband, even when he doesn't deserve respect, which she's going to have to do a lot because we don't always deserve respect, um, then the marriage will flourish. So we're, not, we're going to do two things before we get to Ephesians 5, to 33. The first one is we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that we can be together today. Thank you for your presence here with us. And we pray as we open your word today that you will use it uh, to open our hearts, open our spirits, open our minds, that we might receive your truth and that in the power of the Holy Spirit we might live it out. Whether we're married today, whether we're not married, whatever our condition, God, we pray that this wisdom from you will make us uh, love you more and, and will help us to be more obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we get to uh, the second thing we have to do is we got to read Ephesians 5, 21 to tw- or 18 to 21 because it sort of sets the table for this passage about husbands and wives. And Paul wrote these words. He said, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what Paul says here is, when life doesn't go the way we want it to, we can get drunk, or we can do some other drug, or or we can try an alternative. And the alternative would be this. The alternative would be to turn to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And I've preached on this passage so many times over the years that you might remember that this statement of be filled with the Holy Spirit, it actually is more like this. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing reality. Because when we receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord in our life, the Bible calls that being born again or being saved. When Jesus comes into our life, the Holy Spirit does too, as does God the Father. There's only one God. So we receive God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit when we receive salvation. But what Paul reminds us is we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over again over in our lifetime. And that's never truer 
than in marriage. So if we're going to be able to be the effective husband that we're called to be or the effective wife we're called to be, we need the Holy Spirit's power. And how do we know we have the Holy Spirit's power? Well, he says there's a couple ways that we know that. Number one is we're going to praise God. Whenever the Holy Spirit's in our lives, we'll praise God together. And we'll also do it, it says, in our hearts. So as we're going about the day, maybe a, a song of praise or a word of praise just comes into our, our heart and we say it out to God. And, and then we give thanks in the circumstances of our lives, we give thanks to God in the name of Jesus. And then he says something very, very important. All of it's important. But he says, we will submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. So out of our reverence for Jesus, we submit to one another. Now, Paul isn't talking about marriage yet, but he is. He's talking about all of our relationships as followers of Jesus. We need to submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. And if we're going to understand anything at all about marriage, what I'm talking about today, we need to understand this truth. Human relationships flourish when we submit our wills to God's. And thank you very much, Gabe. And when we submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. So human relationships flourish when we submit our wills to God's and when we submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. That statement is so counterintuitive in this culture. Our culture says the opposite. What our culture says is, I should never submit to anybody. I should just get what I want. I should always feel good. If I want to, if I'm like, I go out to eat something and I don't like it, I just don't eat it. If I want to go watch a movie and it's, it's no good, then I go to a different movie. I don't have to put up with anything that I don't really like. In fact, I don't have to really wait for anything that I want. The, the idea of delaying gratification, you know, waiting to be satisfied, that's not something that's common in this culture. And yes, those are sweeping generalizations and maybe. Um, maybe you and I don't do all of those things, but I've been a pastor for more than 32 years, and I've heard just about every stupid reason there is to be offered from a husband to, for why he's leaving his wife and a wife why she's leaving her husband. And again, I'm not saying a marriage should never end because, you know, God divorced Israel and Judah. So, so there's precedent for that, and Jesus told us that. But what I'm saying is that if we want to put Jesus first in our lives, and if we will do that in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're married, and we are married, then we can stay married and be happy most of the time. And the reason I say happy most of the time is because you realize there's a lot of times in life when you're just not going to be happy because they're not happy times. There are things that happen in our lives that aren't happy, but most of the time we can be happy and married when we do it God's way. And so let's look at what Paul says to husbands and wives. He actually starts with wives in Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. Paul writes, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, 
and the wife must respect her husband. So you see, we get the title for the series, Love and Respect, from verse 33, where Paul wrote, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Paul changes the word submit to respect for wives in verse 33. And the truth is, we all need love and we all need respect. But more than anything else, a wife needs her husband's love. And more than anything else, a husband needs his wife's respect. And so as Paul lays this out for us, he sort of tells us how we do that. And next week we're going to talk about wives, but today we're going to talk about husbands. And when I think about marriage, when I think about love and respect, one of the best best resources that I've ever experienced outside of the Bible is a thing called Love and Respect. It's a book and it's a video series by Emerson and Sarah Egrich. And I recommend that you buy the book or that you buy the video, you watch them together with your, with your spouse. And in that, he, he has this basic, or they have this basic premise. When it comes to love and respect, every couple lives in the crazy cycle, the energizing cycle, or the rewarded cycle. The crazy cycle is easy to explain. The crazy cycle is when the husband says, I'm not getting any respect, so I'm not going to love my wife. And the wife says, I'm not, gonna get any, I'm not getting any love, so I'm not going to respect my husband. You can see why it's called the crazy cycle. Because it's crazy to live there. And yet millions of couples do. Millions of couples, the husband is waiting for his wife's respect. The wife is waiting for her husband's love. And so they're locked into this craziness. And, and before we move to the energizing cycle, let me ask a very simple question. Why would anyone want to live in the crazy cycle? The short answer is because we've been trained to live there. Our culture has trained us that marriage is about me. My marriage is for my wife to respect me, my wife to give me what I need. My, and and you're, if you're a woman, same thing. My husband is supposed to love me. He's supposed to do the things that he did when we were dating all of our lives. And if we really love each other, it will be easy. That's what our culture tells us. And so the crazy cycle is easy to get into because we're expecting something and we don't get it. And, and so here's, here's the, the thing. I'm going to explain how the crazy cycle works in my marriage. Um, Nancy is my wife's name, and so let's say that I do something for my wife, like I fill up the windshield washer reservoir in her car because, you know, I love her and I want to show her that, and so I wait a couple of days for her to notice, and I don't know how she was supposed to notice that, but I want her to notice it, you know, and and give me some respect, and so after a couple days, she doesn't notice, and so I say, hey, did you notice I filled up the windshield washer reservoir uh, for you? And she says, no, thanks, and she walks away, and I'm like, thanks? Thanks? I mean, thanks? That's all I get is thanks? I mean, I filled up the windshield washer reservoir. I should get more than thanks out of that. I mean, she should say, oh, honey, you always take such good care of me. You're always making sure of my safety and everything. I respect you so much. Is that a little over the top? <laughs> Women, yes. Guys, no. Okay, yeah, you see, we, we, it is over the top. I'll, I'll admit it, you know. But, but, but then I go, okay, so if she doesn't notice and she doesn't give me some respect from that, then I'm just not going to give her some love. And the crazy cycle takes a little spin. Right, And then a couple days later, a week later, whatever, she washes all the windows in the whole house. And I don't notice. <laughs> I'm never going to notice. You know? I, and, but she does it because she loves me. And she thinks that that's, like, that's going to be something that I'm going to be excited about. You know? But I'm not. And I don't notice. And, and what she does is she goes, wow, he doesn't love me. You know, if, if he were sensitive like blank, you know, that guy that we all hate you know, in Christian love. Because he does everything right. Right? So... And so then there's another spin in the crazy cycle. And then I don't get what I want. She doesn't get what she wants. And then, you know, I'm not going to do this until I get that. And pretty soon this crazy cycle is gone in full cycle, you know, and it's just crazy. Now, fortunately, Nancy and I have been married almost 38 years. So we don't live in the crazy cycle much anymore. 
Um, occasionally we go back there, I guess, just for old time's sake, you know, but, but, but most of the time we don't live in the crazy cycle. We go to the energizing cycle. The energizing cycle is when um, I am feeling respected, so I give love to Nancy. Nancy's feeling love, so she gives respect to me. And the energizing cycle, as it's, it gives energy to your marriage, you know, and when you're feeling respected as a man and she's feeling loved as a wife, it just goes, ooh, it's really, it just goes like that, you know. It's a really, really good thing. But here's the deal. If you're in the crazy cycle right now, you don't automatically go from the crazy cycle to the energizing cycle because you want to. In fact, the reason there's a rewarded cycle is because ordinarily, if you're in the crazy cycle and you want to get to the energizing cycle, one of you, preferably both of you, is going to have to go to the rewarded cycle. And what is the rewarded cycle? The rewarded cycle is when I, as a husband, say, even if I don't get an ounce of respect from Nancy, I'm going to love her. And Nancy says, even if I don't get an ounce of love from Chris, I'm going to, I'm going to respect him. It's called the rewarded cycle because God rewards it. It's called the rewarded cycle because it's obedient to God. It's what God does for us. God loves us and respects us regardless of what we do for him. And so there's a blessing from God when we move into the rewarded cycle because we're doing what God wills in our marriage. Now, here's the thing. When I move into the rewarded cycle, whenever we're in that crazy cycle temporarily, what happens is God, God's, you know, he's happy with me. And Nancy, over time, will eventually notice that I love her. Now, how long is it going to take? And, and here's the question I would, would say, guys, if you're, and I'm, again, I'll talk to wives next week, but guys, you know, if you're in the crazy cycle, how can you show your wife that you love her, and how long will it take until she notices? Well, Paul told us how we can love our wives. Remember what he said? Husbands, what it means for you, husbands, is to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now think about that. That means you should be willing to die for your wife. And I, I believe that almost every husband in here would be glad to die for your wife. I would certainly, without, without thinking about it, if there was a situation where Nancy was in danger, I would gladly die for her. That's actually easy. You can only do that once and then you get to go be with Jesus. What's really hard is dying to yourself every day. You, you know, dying to yourself, it, it means to do something that you don't want to do because you do want to do it because you love your wife. Let, let me give you an example. Um, yesterday was Nancy's birthday, and because Saturday's a work day for, for both of us, really, um, we went out on Friday, which is our day off, and we celebrated her birthday. And so we went to the Cheesecake Factory in the afternoon to have dinner. Um, and, you know, Cheesecake Factory is a really cool place. We hardly ever go there, but we had a gift card from one of you from Christmas, so keep them coming. You know, so anyway... Um, <laughs> So anyway, you know, we went to Cheesecake Factory and we had dinner. And ordinarily, it takes me about 12 minutes to eat when I'm at the Cheesecake Factory, like 16, um, because that cheesecake, man, it's sort of rich. But anyway, we sat there for an hour and a half. Hour and a half for dinner, man. You know, that's love because I wouldn't ordinarily do that in 16 minutes or 12 minutes. I'm up and ready to do something else. But we just sat there and we talked about, you know, our family. We talked about each other. We talked about, you know, our life. And, and we talked about a lot of stuff. And it was really cool. And that's how, that's how you, you know, love your wife. And then, then we went to the symphony. Ha, whoa. You know, we went to the symphony. Uh, it was the pops thing. It wasn't like the boringest music they make, but it was the next kind, you know. So anyway, uh, it was actually, it was Broadway themes. And like they played this one theme, and I was like, I heard that when I was 12. I'm good, you know. But I listened, and I listened for like, mm, I don't know, half the thing. 
And then when I didn't really want to listen anymore, I just put my arm around Nancy. You know, actually, I put her, my hand in her hand, and I just started praying. Uh, you know, thank God for the, the blessing of the day. Thank God for Nancy. Thank God for new life and all the different things. I prayed for some of you. And, and we had a really good time because, you know, you can't talk whenever you're listening to music anyway. She had a wonderful time. It was something that I wouldn't choose to do, but we go every month. We got a season thing, you know, because that's something she loves to do. And, and I love Nancy. So husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Okay, what else he says? He says this. He says, husbands, love your wife as you love yourself. Now, here's the thing. Since last August, I've lost 30 pounds. So when I get up and I, you know, go work out, and then I come up and I look in the mirror, I go, oh, okay. You know? But here's the truth. Back in August, before I lost the 30 pounds, I looked in the mirror, I went, oh, okay. You know? I mean, men, you get that, right? I mean, it doesn't matter how we look. We don't care. Because we love ourselves. We're sort of, I mean, it's natural for a guy to love himself. Paul knew that. And so he says, just like that, love your wife. She might not do the stuff you want to do all the time. She might not do all the stuff you want to do any of the time right now. But you're supposed to love her just like you love yourself, just automatically. And so when you wake up in the morning, just like you're just going to go, okay, you get to say to your wife, okay, you know, and you love her. Now, here's the thing. If you've been in the crazy cycle for a long period of time, it may take a while before she actually believes that you really love her. You know, I mean, she's probably thinking the first couple of times you show that you love her, you're just doing it because you want to get something. You don't, you don't do it because you really love her, but you just really, you know, you, you, want, you want to stop doing what you're doing. So I want to tell you a story about a, a guy from Kentucky. I, I was on a mission trip in Kentucky, and this guy named Ivan came over to me, and he says, Pastor Chris, can I tell you a story? I said, sure. You know, I like stories. And so Ivan started to tell me, he goes, I just want you to know, I was a stone drunk. I went to work in the coal mines, and I would come home, and I would go to the bar, and I'd get out my harmonica, and I would play that harmonica, and people would put money in the basket, and I would buy drinks until I passed out, and then I'd go home. And my wife, you know, she put up with it. She didn't like it, obviously, but she put up with it. And so one day, after many years of this, my wife convinced me to go to a revival. And when I went to the revival, I got saved. And when I got saved, in that instant, I was delivered from any desire to drink. Now, I know that hardly ever happens, but in Ivan's case, it happened. So Ivan went to work the next day in a coal mine, and then after work, he got, took his harmonica, and he went down to the bar. This is going to sound like a dumb idea, right? But what he did was he started playing Christian songs on his harmonica, and when they put the money in the basket, he took the money, and he, put it, and he gave it to the church. And he said, you know, Pastor Chris, after six months, my friends believed that I was saved and sober. And after two years, my wife believed it. Do you understand the point of that story? Ivan had lived as a drunk for years. And he got saved. His wife saw it. But she didn't believe it. And, and he showed her love. And he, he showed a consistent walk with Jesus. And it took two years. And some of you are going, are you kidding me? i got to live in love towards my wife for two years? I'm not saying it's going to take two years. What I'm saying is if you're in the crazy cycle, it's going to take more than two minutes to get out of it. It's going to take a while. And here's the thing. The culture is whispering in your ear. Actually, the culture is shouting in your ear. She's not worth it. She isn't worth it. If, if she doesn't love you, if she doesn't respect you, if she doesn't give you what you want, you know, you can find another one that's going to be way better than that one. So just forget about it. And in the other ear, Jesus is whispering. And he's saying, if you will remain faithful, you will one day hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master's kingdom. So the question becomes, 
Who are we trying to please? Are we trying to please the world, which really means ourselves? Or are we seeking to please God? Because if we're Christians, if we're following Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, then that means that we ought to want to hear him say one day, well done, good and faithful servant, enter the joy of your master's kingdom. Now, after 38 years, it'll be 38 years on April the 14th that Nancy and I have been married. Uh, as I said, most of the time we live in the energizing cycle. And, and I love Nancy more today than I've ever loved her. And I believe she respects me more today than she ever has. And, and the thing is, that's a wonderful place to be, but it's not an automatic place to get. In fact, I love Nancy more than six months ago, six years ago, certainly more than 36 years ago. I, you know, I, I don't think I even understood that. And the average marriage in America lasts seven years. Statistically, seven years, it's over. I didn't even figure it out till about 20 and maybe I'm slower than most people, but here's the truth. The truth is, living in the ways of God is simple, but not easy. It's always simple. I mean, how hard is it to figure out love your wife? How hard is it to figure out respect your husband? It's not hard. I mean, it's simple. But is it easy? No, no, no. It's not easy because they're wired different than we are. They, they, they think differently. They act differently. They want different things. And, and two people who are totally different come together in, in a union that's supposed to represent Jesus and the church. It's supposed to actually represent the, the unity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when we will just keep taking one step after the next, after the next, in the power of the Holy Spirit, because it's never going to happen without that, over time, we get to come to the point of saying, wow, it is really cool to be married to you. And, and, you know, there are still minutes and sometimes hours, and for her it might be days and weeks, I don't know, that it isn't that cool. But it's, it's still the best thing ever because it's God's plan. And God's plan will always trump the world's plan. God's plan is for eternity, not just for now. And if you want to feel good for 15 minutes, you can do what the world says. But if you want to feel good for 15 years, 30 years, 45 years, and more... I mean, I, I figured this out. We got married so young, it's possible, not probable, but possible that we could be married for 70 years before we die. You know, I'd, I'd like to see that. <laughs> I'd sort of like to see that. But 50 should be easy for us, given how young we were when we got married, if Jesus doesn't come back. And, and, and if, you know, he doesn't take us home sooner. But the bottom line is, it's not about how long the marriage is. It's about how much we... Lean into him. Men, we have the opportunity to love our wives as Jesus loved the church, to love our wives as we love ourselves. And when we do, the world will take notice. Because in case you haven't noticed, marriages aren't doing that great, by and large, in the world today. The world's way always leads to sadness, destruction, death. God's way, in the end, always leads to life. So here's the commitment for today. Um, if you're new here, again, we always have a commitment, and it's in three parts today. It says this, husbands, I will love my, husbands are supposed to say, I will love my wife this week, exclamation point. Wives, I will respect my husband this week, exclamation point. Others, I will pray for God's blessing on marriages this week, exclamation point. Why did I put an exclamation point? Because, whoa, when husbands love their wives and wives, you know, respect their husbands, and when all of you who aren't married pray for all the marriages here, there's going to be an incredible shift 
you know, an incredible shift towards God's purpose and God's will in this church community. And there's enough of us now, we can make a ripple effect that can be felt in Saxonburg and Sarver and Mars and, you know, around this area. And people will see what we are doing in the power of the Holy Spirit, and they're going to say, I want some of that. I want that in my life. I want some of that. That's what's called being light and salt. And so I'm excited because God is doing something great in my marriage. I'm sure he's doing something great in many of your marriages, but he has a plan. And that plan has never changed. And that plan is always going to be the best one. And when we live it out, the world will know. So let's pray and ask God to empower us to live that way this week. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your truth. And I thank you that it's always true. And I thank you that today, God, that as we come to you as single people, as we come to you as married people, as we come to you as divorced people, you understand. You understand who we are. You understand best what you call us to be. And so I pray for your Holy Spirit to be poured into us right now, that wherever we are in life, that you will bring us closer to you. And if we're married, that you will bring us closer to our spouse. God, I pray today that you will pour out your blessing as we respond to your truth in love and obedience. And God, I pray that we can indeed be examples for our children and for our neighbors, for our coworkers and our classmates, for everybody, God, of what it is to be joyful and, and usually happy because you're at the center of our life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.